Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget the bug spray as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. Rolling on both. Look at this guy. He's got his. This guy's. He's on it. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalous legends and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. Joined as always. Mark's trying to see my tooth. I'm joined as always. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joined as always by my pal, Mark Matsky. Yes. I, I'll never look at you the same way again now. <laughs> but you brought it up. Yeah. I, I, I'm <laughs> freak. I'm a freak. <laughs> Uh, I'm also joined by our pal Heather Mosher. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hello. Ma- hey. Make sure you're talking to that mic. Hello. There you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, I chipped my tooth on vacation. I just want everyone to know, full disclosure, uh, right up front, that the bottom half of my front tooth is missing, and Mark's trying to look for it. <laughs> Keep seeing him do it. Yeah. Trying to steal a glance. The more I try not to, you know, it's like there's <laughs> a opposite effect. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I chipped it. It was like a crown or something because I, I oh. chipped it like a year ago and they'd fixed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently they cannot get me in to. F- <laughs> they can't get me. <laughs> they can't get me in to fix it again until uh, next week. Uh, I'll be a, uh, a chipped tooth weirdo. Until then. <laughs> so the next round of recordings, you're going to be normal again. I'm never normal. <laughs> never normal. <laughs> Um, what happened, anything happened in Ohio while I was gone? Tornadoes, hurricanes. Yep. Hurricanes. We had a lot of rain. Okay. <laughs> a lot of rain. Yeah. I kept getting notifications. I was on, I was on vacation. Yeah. I kept getting severe weather. Severe alerts. weather, flash floods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, and it, like every day something was happening weather-wise, it seemed like. Yeah. We had weird weather in Hilton Head. It's a... Uh, it's traditionally very just muggy and hot the whole time. And uh, this year it was like, it would be real cool. Then it would storm like crazy. And then it would be sweltering heat. <laughs> so it was it was bizarre. There's a scene in Elizabethtown, the <laughs> wonderful movie <laughs> uh, by Cameron Crowe, uh, where Orlando Bloom first gets out of the car in Kentucky that to me perfectly encapsulates what it's like setting foot in the southern heat have you guys seen this movie yes it was a long time ago though i don't recall that scene. he gets to elizabethtown and he gets out of the car and you hear the cicadas Mm. before you like it's it's how the movie clues you into how hot it is because like he gets out and he makes this face and like wipes his brow or whatever and then puts his coat on and uh that's what it's like that was what it was like the entire time i kept thinking like anytime i get out of the car how is it this (laughs) humid <laughs> mm-hmm. here 
Um, but anyway. And you were mostly at the beach, right? Or Yeah, other than we did go to Savannah, um, which always is great. I got to see the bird girl. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, the book. Um, well, no. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> John Cusack is like my favorite actor, right? So um, I get that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so... So he was in the the Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil adaptation, and because he was in that, I bought the book because I wanted to get ready for the movie to come out. This was a long time ago, obviously, mm-hmm. and then I became obsessed with that book for a long time, and I really loved the cover, which is this statue of this girl holding like these two bowls, and um, in each hand, and it, and she was in um, was it Bonaparte or, or Fort? I can't remember. She's in a cemetery, and so back in the day when that book came out. That was just a statue, like a random statue in the cemetery. It wasn't even like one of the well-known statues. Um, but the author, the, the photographer who shot the cover of the book, found that statue and thought that looked, you know, like that was what he wanted the cover of the book to be. So he took this picture of this unassuming statue, and now the statue is like the most famous thing in the in the city. Mm-hmm. So because of that, it's kind of like what we've seen with like John Bell's grave or any of that kind of stuff. People kept desecrating the statue so wow. they moved the statue out of the cemetery and they've moved it like three or four times and for 20 years i've been trying to catch up to this dumb <laughs> statue and see it for myself so finally we get there and it took we parked across town it took us 20 minutes of walking to get to where we were but there was so much uh construction and stuff that it ended up taking almost two hours to get from where we'd parked to to the to the um Tra- tra- trail fair or something uh museum which is like an art museum we bought tickets go in i ask where the statue is and the lady's like oh it's not here it's in the building across the street oh. <laughs> and so by then i'm like desperate yeah uh, <laughs> i'm like okay well we're gonna go anyway so walk out and it is a torrential downpour so um it ended up we ran over to the to the academy in the rain and then went inside and the academy was super cool actually there were these statues of like um leonardo and and um da, Vin- uh, da vinci is leonardo uh, <laughs> michelangelo. Uh, michelangelo donatello april o'neill <laughs> uh, the whole gang was out out front uh but then no, we went in and it took it was on the last floor obviously in the last room before right. i found her but it was kind of a cool moment um you walk through this whole section and there's signs everywhere saying like before midnight and it's supposed to be like this room you go in, you're going to get to see like all the stuff that, and we walked, I, I, I walked off by myself and I came into the room, but I came in through the back, apparently the back entrance. And when I walked in, she was literally to my right and there was no one else in the room. So I walked in past her and then I just glanced over and she was standing there and I was oh. like, Hey, so That's walked cool. over. Nice. And I took her picture and she was really pretty. It's a really yeah. cool it is a really cool statue, and I totally get now why it's so popular. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I'm not like a statue guy. I don't, I'm not, I don't understand art. I'm kind of an idiot. <laughs> like I've said before that like my, I'm just not very intelligent. So art always kind of passes me by. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't wrap my brain around it. Um, but that is like one thing where I was like instantly in love with it. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, so that was cool. And I finally got to find her. Anyway, the I'd- bird girl statue, highly recommended. Ten of ten. 
It's perfect that you had to go across in the rain to mm-hmm. go get to this statue. Yeah. That's, I think of John Cusack always in the rain. Yeah, he is. He's really good at the rain He's scenes. Really good. We've, <laughs> um, she's slowly being introduced to John Cusack movies. Yeah. Um, I gave her a list of movies she needed to see. I didn't put mm-hmm. that movie on there. You didn't. That's actually a decent movie. It doesn't matter. If he's in it, I'll watch good. it now. Yeah. I'm sold on him. Yeah. He's, he's great. <laughs> um, I love him. Ten, 10 of 10. Would recommend John Cusack. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that was a seven-minute <laughs> diatribe. Hey, you about, found her. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's all that matters. Important thing. Yeah. Um, Do you know? Did they replace it then in the cemetery? So, no, I just don't. It just it's gone. Yeah, and the cemetery itself is something I really need to see um, because it's outside of town, and when you see the pictures of it, it's kind of like that classic Southern Gothic mm-hmm. Spanish mm-hmm. moss draped trees and all that kind of stuff back in the woods. Nice and um. I love Savannah in general, always have. Uh, Savannah and Charleston are two of my favorite cities. Um, Charleston's disappointing, though, because you go there now and they're really, they're really like uh, developing everything. So outside of town, when I went to find David uh, Floyd for his interview, um, it was everything outside of town was being uh, redeveloped. Okay. So they're tearing up all the swamps and everything. It's all being, you know, these houses that are being put in. So. That's kind of disappointing, but anyway, um, Savannah, love it. Can't can't recommend enough. Tommy uh, got his annual uh, lollipop. Oh, I saw the picture of that huge <laughs> lollipop. That's like his thing for like five days. He'll just walk around <laughs> with that lollipop, and it's, it gets more disgusting oh, as the days go yeah. on because you're like trying to wrap it up in this plastic bag. Yeah. it's just coated and it's enhanced like flavor. Yeah, candy colored drool <laughs> around the outside of the bag. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's talk. What are, what's the show what? about? I don't know. Oh, hey, you tell me. Yeah, before we move on, I'm sorry. Um, uh, the new episode of Beyond the Trail is out for squad members right now. So if you're a squad member, go watch it. Uh, Bigfoot at Bluff Creek. If you're not a squad member, join the squad by becoming a channel member on YouTube. You'll also be able to watch this show. We're going to start releasing random episodes, I think is how we're doing this, of Monsteropolis free as well, but it'll be ad supported if you want to watch without the ads. Join the channel. We had a huge influx of channel members this week, so that was really cool. We have more episodes beyond the trail already ready to go, and then Alex is shooting three episodes right now. And then we are shooting one that we've already discussed on the show out at mm-hmm. um, out in Minerva mm-hmm. uh, in the next couple of weeks as well. And then we have a huge announcement coming at some undisclosed point regarding more uh, episodic content coming to the squad as well. So join the squad. There's nothing to lose other than a little bit of money. <laughs> 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 Who needs money? Um, Think of it as an investment. Yeah. yeah. In our future. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's all Alex is doing at this point is making it, films. It, is. it really seems like it really like is. It's, he's it's, always working. It's on all something. him and Eli have been doing now for weeks, and it's interesting because so they're rotating back and forth. So Alex edits an episode, and Eli edits hmm. an episode. So I've seen both their episodes. Yeah. Um, so I saw Bigfoot of Bluff Creek, and anyone that's a lot of people have seen it. It's probably the most watched thing we put on Squad. Um, everyone seems to love it. Alex has a very like adventure film informative vibe to his documentary. Mm-hmm. Eli is like a Bigfoot movie directed by Terry Gilliam 
Or no. <laughs> Hold on. That's the wrong director. Okay. Wait, is it who directed Thin Red Line? Do you know how to Terrence Malick. Okay. It's like a it's like a Malick Terry Gilliam would be sweet. Yeah. Uh but it's Having like a time a chaser. Terrence like Malick. Put that together with... Yeah. It's a Bigfoot art film. Okay. It's, it's just like and it is gorgeous. And of the two, scenery wise, Eli's episode blows Alex's out of the water because you got the Oregon coast and and the the inner you know the mountains. Mm -hmm. It's it's really unbelievable. Um, so we're really excited about all the stuff they're doing. And then right now they're literally right this minute they are on horseback deep in the mountains in Colorado <laughs> uh, on their way to a canyon where there are apparently a ton of like Bigfoot uh, stick structures and stuff. So um, there's yeah they're, they're, this is what they're doing now. So it's crazy. That's pretty, cool. pretty cool. And going forward, that's the goal for them is that, like this would be their full time job. They're like the modern day DeHinden and Green yeah. out there, just oh, stomping around. I've got I got to talk to you about this idea I came up with yesterday. Oh. I already discussed it with Alex, and he he was kind of interested. But there's never been someone from a documentary approach that if, that that came at the Bigfoot subject of like let's definitively capture something. Like let's let's find a way to get evidence, like legit evidence, not just tell a story like a little Bigfoot story, but like let's go in and well, like with the objective of let's find the best way to get visual evidence of Bigfoot. That's what I want to do. That's the that's the teaser. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, the uh, squad members and then Dark Sky is available. By the time you hear this, Rougarou will be coming in the next three weeks. Uh, the trailer should be out next week. Ooh. So we've already got. Um, press releases ready to go and all That's that exciting. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say now. So now we get into the main part of the episode. I guess we talk about <laughs> Rougarou. Is this the Rougarou? Sure. Yeah. I think it makes Let's sense because you were talking about the swamps okay. around Charleston or whatever yeah. being taken away. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what we talked about last week with that coastal erosion and the the swamps and, and how it's different. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know how to go about this episode because we haven't. The thing is, we've talked about you and I talked about Ruguru, but we haven't had Heather on to talk about Ruguru really. And Heather, um, end of the day, there would not be a Skinwalker, the Howl of the Ruguru film, stop, without Heather Mosier, who wrote the movie and still finds the new title hilarious. I didn't. Name it. That was you. It that, was, I named the, the movie. I renamed the movie. Renamed it, yeah. Yeah. Is it Rise of Skinwalker? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. That's another one. Star Wars, The Rise of Skinwalker. <laughs> no, that that was just, it's fun to tease him because of the way that I was told well, about tell it. The, yeah, tell the story. So I was out in Indiana. Lean into them. I was there. out in Indiana. Um, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hi. Um. <laughs> So I was in Indiana with some friends investigating some uh, haunted Flint. locations or whatever. Yeah, friends. You said friends. I said That's, friends. It's fine. It's fine. Why do you always mishear me? I didn't, but your you, R was a W. Oh, my God. Okay. We're all friends here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, coming back from one of the locations one morning on the phone with him, and he couldn't, He ha I forget what it was. You texted and said, I'll have to text you back in a minute. I have to do a Facebook Live. And so then when we did talk, I'm like, what is this Facebook Live? You never do Facebook Live. That's not like you. He's like, well, to announce the name, the new uh, name for Rougarou. I'm like, what new name? And he was like, oh, uh, I renamed it <laughs> Skinwalker, Howl of the Rougarou. And I'm like, because it was Howl of the Rougarou before. Right. 
And I just started laughing because he'd already made the announcement and all of that. Who knows how many people tuned in all heard that before I did. Yes. And it just struck me funny that that's how I heard the name. Well, for context too, it it is like Heather's movie, I think even more so than it is mine in this case, because Heather was working on this well, well before I even stepped foot in Mm -hmm. Louisiana, obviously. And then also you wrote the movie with me Mm -hmm. and my writing was pretty much just to help direct the flow of the story and not to actually insert you know, like my voice into it. So the movie mm-hmm. is much more your voice than it is mine. Mm-hmm. And I would even speculate that you're more, ta- you're more invested emotionally in the Ruger story than I was. Yeah, I would say that's probably accurate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. Keep, Correct. Keep it yeah. Um, but the, the, the name change came about because there was some trepidation on the part of our our 1091 compatriots as to whether or not the name was marketable right. because there's a lack of knowledge as to what Ruguru is. So the the original discussion was making it like werewolf colon the howl of the Ruguru or something like that. And that felt disingenuous. Whereas Skinwalker, the movie literally opens with a Skinwalker legend. So we mm-hmm. want Skinwalker because people know these days Skinwalker because of Skinwalker Ranch and things like that. I think that yeah. name is fairly well known. So, Mm-hmm. That was the decision. Yeah. Um, as I, to yeah. why we made it that way. It was great. Oh it's, yeah. It's great. She loves it. Can't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, why don't you lead us? Well, I I have a question Take our for hand. please please do question for the screenwriter. Then what what did you do to prepare to write? Like, what were your sources? What did you draw on? Oh like from an inspiration standpoint, how did you get started writing? Uh, Mushrooms. <laughs> No. Um, <clears throat> well, partly what happened was that um, Seth had started to put together the interviews and there were certain threads that we were seeing mm-hmm. amongst the the different interviewees. And so we were trying to make it all fit. And even if it wasn't a common thread, we were trying to find chunks that kind of fit together because some of them are vastly different than others. So they are. What I know that? I was yawning. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not because of that. I was just yawning. I was just yawning. All day. This is all day. <laughs> um, Why do you keep making that face at me? I. All right. Anyway, um, I don't. I forget see, how that's many. That's a good reason to books. get squad, so you can see the see look the faces. Yeah. yeah. That is being made. Don't look at my tooth. <laughs> um, I probably had a dozen different books that mm. were talking about werewolf lore or um. Uh, from centuries ago through present day and just finding bits and pieces or threads that worked in historical text that was rep- that happened to be repeated in the interviews as well so that we could write that into mm-hmm. the story. And it was interesting too to watch that evolve mm-hmm. because my assumption with this was that it would be very much like Bray Road. And so it would be... Um, Maybe a little bit of lore, but mostly like I, I really wanted those like interesting eyewitness accounts that take you into the woods and it's like, you know, like what kind of evidence do they got and that kind of stuff. Like Lee Hempel's farm and that, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, like Bray Road. Um, and then we shot the interviews and I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is totally different. Mm-hmm. Like this is not at all that. And even originally, I think there was supposed to be more of like a dog man angle to this where mm-hmm. we were talking to like, 
Jodie Cook was originally supposed to be an interview, and Alex was going to interview Lauren for me. Mm-hmm. So we could get the cryptozoological angle to it and all that kind of stuff. And then I realized that, um, and I don't, yeah, I don't know. The trailer hasn't even dropped for this, so I don't know how much we want to talk about it. But I just, I knew almost immediately into the second day of filming and doing, you know, maybe two or three of the interviews that this was something totally different, much more bent or toward the lore mm-hmm. and legends connected with the Rougarou than it was like a flesh and blood Rougarou movie or like a flesh and blood dog man movie. Mm-hmm. Because to me, the dog man is, or the Rougarou is something completely different from Bray Road or, yeah, you know, it might be physically, you might think, oh, the two are very similar. But when you get into the story, the actual story of the Rougarou, it's something else entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the, the people groups involved, I think is a really interesting aspect of the story and i guess that's one thing that you know you do like a simple google search and there's really not a lot of stuff on Rougarou at all that goes into any sort of depth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know just the same stuff is sort of repeated on different websites so it's it requires some digging to actually get information and they pull what they do that i've noticed is they're they will just sort of like slap the Rougarou label on something and then um, they'll end up going off in a completely different direction. So they start in Southern Louisiana and they talk about the Rougarou and it ends up on Bray Road or mm. something like they try to really shoehorn those two things into the same like shoe and, <laughs> and yeah, it's all horned That's, in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and whereas uh, you can't separate the Rougarou from the history of Louisiana to Mm -hmm. me, um, you can get, you can maybe trace its origins to Mm -hmm. other places. Right. Certainly. But you can't get out of the way that story has evolved is intrinsically tied to who settled that area and who was in that area to begin with. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And that was something that was interesting as well to go back in the historical texts and see um, where some of these threads are, are still, present in some of the stories go back in time and see how they influenced each other um yeah and the way we structured it was is is that way like we Mm -hmm. didn't heather and i have been now doing this through two movies rougarou and lake michigan where we sit down together which is a weird experience for me because i don't the way i've talked about this on the show before but the way i structure our movies is in the edit so, like, as I'm editing, the movie kind of finds its own voice and the threads and all that come together in the edit. I don't I don't sit down with, like, a blackboard and put things together on, at least not on the movies. They come together in the edit. And anytime I have tried to pre-plan the flow of the movie, it's been a disaster. It's gone in a completely different direction from what I originally intended. Um, but, uh, but with this one and then Lake Michigan, Heather and I sat down... Well, we had to, I had already done a cut of the movie or like had started cutting the movie and I was completely panicked because I was like, this isn't working at all the way I'm doing it, like trying to put it together in the edit. Um, and so Heather came in here and sat on the couch and I'm sitting there at the computer and we went through the pieces of the movie, mm-hmm. taking disparate interviews and stuff and kind of pieced it together. I don't remember if we did that in the, in an edit or if like I was writing it down on the blackboard or what. I think it was both yeah but we're like literally putting it together on the fly both of us kind of figuring out what what where pieces di- different pieces fit together and how they fit together and one thing that we 
and I remember you saying, pointing this out. Originally, we had ch- I had chapter titles very early on, and that changed over over the course of that meeting, where it was like, why are we even doing chapter titles? We don't need chapter titles. We did these little cue moments that mm-hmm. introduced eyewitness stories, mm-hmm. and then there's one cue card for the Louisiana section right. where it comes up and says the Pelican State, mm-hmm. but. Otherwise, there's no like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. It's not like that. It's you're, you're you get those little title cards to indicate different eyewitness accounts, but that's about it. Like the and how did we structure the movie? Because it's, it's it's interesting to me because it's not one of those things that you're gonna blatantly. It's not spelled out for you, but it is structured in a very specific way. Yeah. So I think one of the main tenets is that we. Um, focused on the different ways that Ruru manifests. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, that's right, yeah. And that's kind of how it goes about because it's, this is where the vastly different parts come in. It can manifest in a number of different ways, which is why it doesn't work necessarily as a, like a sequel to Bray Road or something. Mm-hmm. It's not just Dogman. So that's kind of how we put it together. Guardian of the forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it, it would have been easy for us to go through and spell that out for the audience. Mm-hmm. But I think this is kind of more interesting where an audience will watch this movie once and they might come away with it. Like, Oh, that was interesting. It was like a, a bunch of, of different organized stories or whatever, you know, like eyewitness stories. But when you watch it back, each one of those sections is informing you as to the various forms that the creature is supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see if like, obviously the people that are listening to this and then watch it will now be aware of that, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see if like a larger audience picks up on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> enough. So, you know, there's all of this, um, connection to France, you know, you talked mm-hmm. about historical, you know, antecedents for this mm-hmm. and it all traces back to France. What did you find in your research about French werewolves, because it seems like Tons. everything that you read is like there's a treasure trove of of reports and things happening specifically there. And, you know, there's always, well, Loop Guru became Rougarou. That always mm-hmm. gets quoted. She in any... could write a book about she could she could probably very easily write a book about all this. But one thing I want to point out is that tons of the stories she dug up got cut. Because we yeah. didn't have the movie would have been like five hours long, but there were little moments where she put in pieces of that history that did end up getting cut just because there was so much narration. Yeah. So many of those stories. Mm-hmm. What are some of those cut stories? <laughs> some of the cut stories. Yeah, that didn't make it in. Let me think of which ones didn't make it in. The one was the Abbot in there. The Abbot is kind of in there, but I cut out a large part of it. Um. Well, so, and, and they're not all French either, because I okay. tried to stay away from, I mean, there are aspects to the French myth, but I thought it was more interesting to get away from that, because that's mm-hmm. the one that everybody talks about. So there were stories, uh, the abbot story, I got to try to remember exactly how that one went, where this abbot, I think, fell off of his horse or something, and he needed help. He was attacked by... Attacked like, by something. Uh, it was He was attacked by like a pack of wolves or something Mm. but uh, the shapeshifter helped him and so in that aspect it was a guardian instead of something that was negative that's the story that's in the movie but Mm -hmm. but like the story as you told it and wrote it originally was like the whole thing where the like the the werewolf takes him back to the monastery and then they become friends Mm -hmm. yeah there's this whole other aspect yeah i can't remember his name now uh abbot yeah i don't know 
Yeah, Abbot something or other. Yeah. And <laughs> but yes, he takes that, him that back to the French. monastery. Yeah, something or other. Um, takes him back and introduces him to everyone else that's wow. at the monastery, and mm-hmm. they decide that yeah, okay, he's not evil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, is the story about the pair that had shape shifted in there? So there's another story that I found where it was like um, oh, I wish I could remember the name of the village, but they had been cursed somehow. And every four years or seven years, seven sounds about right. Anyway, seven to eight years, somewhere in there, um, a pair would have to be exiled from the town and they would have to be put into a werewolf form and just live away from the village as like a, I don't know, part of their penance for whatever they did. I don't remember that story, that part of it. And uh, a pair. Yeah, it had to be a it had to be a man and a woman. Oh, a pear. Okay. I'm thinking like a, a fruit. You, you read my mind. Yeah, like I thought you meant like no. a single pear. Like goodbye, pear. <laughs> Get out of here. Make your way. And then this it is the only like pear, pear we have in the village. Down the street with his head down. <laughs> no, no. Man and a woman. Okay. The <laughs> exile of yeah, the pear. They, yeah. they did a whole yeah. Like, yeah. recessional out of yeah. town. Yeah. <laughs> Farewell. Be gone. <laughs> Then it couldn't rot. It couldn't <laughs> rot for seven years. Yeah. Don't touch it. Yeah. <laughs> He's no. fermenting outside of yeah. town. <laughs> anyway. So it was a pair of people. Humans. Yeah. Human yeah. Beings. Yeah. And they would shapeshift. They had to be shapeshifted into wolves. And so this, it, I think this was also another Abbott story or something that he had been traveling and he had a child with him that was just assisting him or whatever, like a teenager or whatever. And this male werewolf comes up to him and says, I need help. My partner is injured and dying and uh, she deserves last rites. Hmm. In werewolf form? Yeah, he okay. came up in werewolf form, uh, but is speaking so that they can understand. Right. And they're hesitant, but he's like, no, please come and see. And he brought um, them over to where the woman, female werewolf was hurt mm-hmm. and it describes them pulling her skin up Ew. to show the human form underneath oh, wow. so that they could prove this is a human we're mm-hmm. just cursed and um after that then the uh the abbot i guess decided okay that's fair and <laughs> yeah that's fine you're, that's, that's fine you're okay. not lying to me you check out uh yeah and gave not just last a talking rights. wolf right <laughs> <laughs> and gave last rites and then she was able to pass away but then they go through the story of how they were cursed and um i think i think they were both supposed to survive i don't know what happened mm. um but, but she did she did die um but yeah that was a town that was cursed and i really wish i could remember the name uh perry <laughs> no no <laughs> nope all right, all right. um uh, how how much did the uh, the region itself inform your storytelling in the writing? <laughs> that was my. Uh, that was great. That was my Charlie Rose. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Um, well, there were some stories that I found that I didn't put in there because I looked at immigration patterns into the area. Oh yeah, yeah. And it didn't seem that there were uh, uh, there wasn't a large concentration of that particular nationality there, so I didn't add them because mm. I wanted to make sure that there were at least a significant amount of people that could have informed the, the myth of the area. Well, like give in um, examples. 
Like, so uh, some of the Scandinavian um, stories I did not include. Mm -hmm. Not that there aren't people of Scandinavian descent there. It's just it wasn't a large enough, mm -hmm. by my imaginary standards, I guess, mm -hmm. to um, have that much of an influence on the Rougarou legend itself. Not that those stories don't get told, but um, in those ones, they're more like uh, some of the skinwalker type stories of the werewolves. They're more like not just guardians, but they're more like warriors mm -hmm. at that point, hmm. which is that's covered in Bray Road, though. Yeah. The the uh, attack a paw mm -hmm. legend that kind of opens the movie. That's that is is the first piece of research I did into the Ruguru story. And I remember sending you screen grabs of the book. There's a book by Brad Steiger, mm -hmm. which is the first place I read that. And the story was so cool because it's a little bigger than what's in the opening of the movie. Mm -hmm. But the story is so cool that I was like, there's no way this is based in any react. Like there's no way this is based on actual native legend. Right. I just didn't believe that that was a thing. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I did was write that down. I was like, I want the movie to open. So just creatively, the movie was originally supposed to open with a 10 minute found footage style vlogger <laughs> prequel, which is going to be about this survivalist vlogger played by Michael Shang. That was like who I wanted to play. I uh -huh. wanted Michael to play this, Aww, Mikey Shang Mikey. to play this, this character. And I wrote him, I, I, the sequence is written. Um, it was going to be Mikey out in the swamps. And he's like, he's trying to cut this, like this, like survivalist video for his YouTube channel. And then he gets attacked and killed by the Ruguru. That was how the movie was going to open. Wow. And um, I ended up, it just didn't fit with like what we were doing at all. Mm -hmm. It didn't fit at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so it ended up getting cut out. But the the style of the movie, I don't remember where I was going before that, but the style of the movie was always supposed to be this found footage. Yeah. You know, like stylistic. Well, bent. one of the first things that you had brought up was the attack of pause story. Yes. And right. then trying to find that. Yes. Was a whole other animal, so to speak. But total what was coincidence cool, that we were able to corroborate it. Yeah. On the very last day. On the of very shooting. last day of the last interview. Very last interview. And you guys like finished with her and then started home, right? Yes. And you just packed up and came home. Yeah. yeah. What's her name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the the last interview, and we shot her in the morning, and then drove started driving home. It's so far that we only made it to Nashville that night. But mm -hmm. um, she ended up being ha half of her family is a Takapaw, mm. and yeah, so I just asked like her because we were not comfortable, and we still might sit, take some flack for this, but but I wasn't comfortable including that legend in the film if I couldn't find actual native americans who could corroborate it in some way that's at right. least a story that they are told mm -hmm. we're not saying that that we believe the attack of ball tribe were running around shape-shifting into rigaroo and eating people right but but to be able to corroborate that story was kind of a big deal so i had first asked jonathan mm -hmm. and then i asked roy mm -hmm. I, I asked anyone i could if they had ever heard that and everyone had kind of said no and then i asked elizabeth and she cut me off and said they made a deal with the devil and I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she knew it. Got it. And then yeah. she talked about how she was uh, actually a part, uh, you know, like she's she's part of Takapaw and, and like she was, mm -hmm. has bloodlines that trace back to that tribe and was able to corroborate that that's at least a version of the story that they tell them. Yeah. And so that was kind of a big deal. Because I really like that story. I think that story is so interesting mm -hmm. and it just feeds into the larger Rougarou 
legend. The most interesting thing about Ruguru is more so than any other legend that we've covered, the roots are so apparent, like so apparent. It, it, and I mean, Heather will talk, can talk about that way more than me, but it's just so obvious where each little mm-hmm. twist in that mm-hmm. story comes from. Yeah, and it's fascinating that it's not simply French Canadians brought it to Louisiana, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to say that they're independently... There was a similar story that already existed in that mm-hmm. same vicinity. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that's part of the the wow factor, I think, of this particular story. There's a lot of mystery to it mm-hmm. because I I do I think there's more there than just like a legend or lore that's built up around. I think they are explaining. I think that all the all these disparate origin stories kind of help explain something that might have already been there to begin mm. with. Now, what that is, I don't know. Right. I know from talking to Roy that there, there's Bigfoot activity there. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, just That's mm-hmm. right. One of the squatchiest places you've been. One of the squatchiest five. locales oh, in boy. North America. Top five. <laughs> Check out the last episode for more, for more I information. I forgot to ask. I should have asked at the beginning if Tiffany wrote oh, in. Oh, yeah. Tiffany? Tiffany. Tiffany. Yeah. yeah. She hasn't written... In yet. Okay. We're waiting. We're waiting to hear from her. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just wondering. We entered her name in the drawing, though. We'll see if she wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, the biggest prize pack ever. Yeah. A, a one-way ticket to Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> the Rougarou Fest. Yeah. Which, by the way, their website is pretty cool. I did oh, look yeah. at that. They've got some neat merch. Yeah. Do they? For cheap. Yeah, yeah. they do. Well, are they doing the festival this stuff. year? Or? Last I heard, they were. Okay. And they have a really awesome poster this year. They should, yeah, the their is artwork cool. is super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, f- over time, I find myself very, very drawn to the the Rougarou as a character. I, th- I think it's an interesting... It's so many different, like, uh, little... Or like not origins, but what, what would you even call that? Like the stuff about it n- not being able to count to like thirteen, oh, and like all these little, yeah. like little. What do you call that? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's that's, stuff that you see in other stories too, which I also thought was cool. The idea of yes. not being able to count past a certain number, so you throw rice at something or whatever. We so that kept it has finding to stop. correlations to um, Bellwitch. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of witch lore in that, too. Do you want to talk about any of that? Like, one thing I know, the, oh. like Andrew Jackson and yes. that, that fort. And mm-hmm. all that stuff. Down in New Orleans. Yeah. That he was there during all of that. And then, of course, Jackson pops up again in, in the Bell Witch legend. Mm-hmm. So I was like, he's just everywhere during yeah. these stories, yeah. man. Yeah, I I think the Rougarou um, is a very, it's, it's almost like a microcosm for the United States in a way. Like, for the, where you've got the... You can look at all these different. Pe- well, you talk about it in the wrap up. I guess. Yeah, I know. Never mind. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, <laughs> look, guys, let me just prove how smart I am. <laughs> that was, it's a great point. Continue. <laughs> no, you can. No, talk you about go. That. You well, talk about I mean, it. I, it is. It is just interesting to me that you can pull from all those different immigrant groups that were coming mm-hmm. into the area at the time, and it, all together they form this larger picture of. What am I saying right now? I don't know what I'm saying. I got off track. There's, 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 I just think it's interesting that you can look at this one little story. Yeah. And it's got such a, such a 
a concise example of the United States on the whole, mm-hmm. and especially at that point in time in history where you have had the the Acadians coming down and and you can mm-hmm. trace that to to the Ruguru story. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought was super cool was when Heather was going through the native lore, and mm. like I thought that was a really good example of how Heather works on another like another level from me because <laughs> I'm, I'm like I don't have that I don't I, I don't know if I'm just not that smart but like I don't I don't know to look where she would where she w- would look for like for like the Canadian stuff and like looking mm-hmm. into the because you were pulling like Wendigo lore and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but she was she was able to put all those pieces together like well this tribe here in in Canada has this lore and Remember, yeah, do you know what they, I'm talking about? Because they fought with like the yeah, Acadians yeah. who would have yeah. come down. And then I'm not going to remember the name of the tribe right now, but they were very close with them. Like they actually lived together. Yeah. And um, so just by that, I mean, there would be an exchange of stories. So mm-hmm. when you start looking at that tribe's lore and you see some of the reflection of that, the shape shifting stuff down mm-hmm. in what we see in Louisiana, I'm like, well, that's probably where we got it. If it's not showing up anywhere else, um, that makes sense. So. That's what I did. For I that. think that stuff's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I like about having a bigger group of people involved in STM is like all the all those different voices can help inform. When it's just one idiot, <laughs> kind of like guiding everything, and that idiot is not the most intelligent person in the room. Like it's a, it's good to have more people that can push things in directions mm-hmm. that I never would even think to go in. Like I mess. This is totally off on a tangent, but like I messaged Ellie last night about cattle mutilations because we're trying to get ready for night visitors and i've been thinking lately like i want to be able to ask questions and this was also partially informed by you Hmm. i want to be able to ask questions that i wouldn't think to ask i never would have thought to ask when it came to making dark sky about coal mines like i just wouldn't have done it unless i Mm -hmm. checked out hell year which i haven't (laughs) so (laughs) so like i asked her I was like, what should, what are the questions I should be asking? You know, like when I'm asking questions of people about cattle mutilations that point, might point us to some new avenues or like new threads we could pull on. And she gave me like a whole list and I sent them mm-hmm. to Heather. And I know like Heather will have her own things that she can bring to the table with that as well. So anyway, it's a tangent, but that's mm-hmm. it's it's good that we have people that think on another level from me. No, Ellie's excellent. An excellent interviewer. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. You've been there for it. Yeah, it's it's been great. She'll she'll push too. Yeah. She won't. Mm-hmm. She's uh she won't accept uh easy answers, right. and she's not afraid to uh, if she doesn't agree with something, she'll push that person to hmm. to explain their stance on mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. By the way, Ellie started at the battlefield yesterday. Yeah. She now is like overhead. What is the name of that battlefield? I don't know, but it's in Frankfurt area, right? Yeah, she's like she's the head at like a national park in or national battlefield mm-hmm. in Kentucky now. She actually texted me last night and said, tell Seth to get to Frankfurt for hauntings episodes soon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we can investigate this whole battlefield. that she's like Interesting. Kind of yeah. Anyway, Rougarou. Um, <laughs> I think we're about done here. You want to wrap up with a question or a comment or anything? Or well, I, I mean, just uh, this is fairly random, but the thing that I find interesting about even just some of the stories Heather shared today is like the connection to the Roman Catholicism, like the Lent thing. Oh, yeah. That is, is you hear that all, the, all over the place. Like, that's an explanation for how you end up as a Rougarou, is you defy the rules of Lent. Right. But but more than that, in what you were saying about the abbot, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. who just takes this in stride, you know, mm-hmm. like as a matter of course, oh, sure, I'll go give her last rites. <laughs> yeah. But, and there's an acceptance there, I think, mm-hmm. of what we think of today as the supernatural or the unexplained mm-hmm. that appeals to me. I like yeah. the fact that 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 is a feature of these stories where the the church is functioning not in a debunking sort of way, but sort mm-hmm. of like, well, of course there would be a pair of, you know, werewolf people out in the woods. So right. I'll, I'll, yeah, let's go. And I, I don't know. I like that a lot. Yeah, probably for or a pair or a solitary pair. Cast out a pair on a pedestal. Yeah, fermenting outside. It's like the city walls. Yeah. Yep. Rougarou is available on September 14th on all major VOD platforms. But by the time you hear this, it's available for pre-order. Smalltownmonsters.com. And it's apparently been up on iTunes for at least a week already for pre-order. So if you're like a digital fan, you can go pre-order it. Uh, the poster, super cool. Um, poster originally created by Sam Sheeran, but I got to give Zach props because Zach had to um, spin out a whole new font and uh, logo, title logo for, for the movie. And mm-hmm. it, it looks really cool. Um, and we ended up going with a completely different color because the original option, the original poster had like a the the logo was kind of sideways on the diagonal on the poster, and then there was like a moon that was in the sh- in in the form of an eye that was, and Zach completely re- reorganized all that. It looks really cool. So, uh, the, but the movie's available September fourteenth. Go watch Dark Sky. Oh, and we've got uh, more hauntings on the way, including special episodes coming up from West Virginia and then Colorado. Yeah. We'll probably do Ohio again or somewhere. (laughs) Someday. Yeah. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening. Leave us a review. Rating uh, monsteropolismail at gmail.com. Tiffany, please write in again. (laughs) Uh, That's about it.